books to Deuteronomy, your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. And as we note in your bulletin, we open to Deuteronomy, we turn ahead to chapter 28, verse 58. Can we open our Bibles to Deuteronomy? Chapter 28, verse 58. This is not technically part of our exegetical series through Deuteronomy, though, Lord willing, we'll get back here later. And when we do, we'll look at the verse in its context and we'll we'll have a new message on that. I want to focus on part of this verse, the latter part. We'll we'll consider the context briefly, but I want to focus on the latter part of the verse for our our message today. Hear now the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 58. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. That might sound familiar to you. I trust it is as we, this was one of our memory verses for the shorter catechism, not too long ago in the evening teaching time, uh, related to honoring God's name, uh, the third commandment. I want to focus on that last part, so let me read it again, please. That thou may, mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. And in particular, what we want to focus on, this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. And we're thinking about the fact that his name is glorious. If you were to say, what is God, in one word... What would it be? You might think spirit. You may think what is said in the New Testament, God is love. But if you were to think of one word, what might be the best one word to have ready to say? Glory. I submit to you, glory. God's name, Yahweh, is to be revered as awesomely glorious. I give that to you as the idea of what we're looking at in this part of the verse. God's name, Yahweh, is to be revered as awesomely glorious. And of course, the word Yahweh, the Hebrew Yahweh, sometimes given to us as Jehovah, uh, is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see that. Lord, all capitals, that's particularly what we're looking at and thinking about today. Because God is his attributes. And he often reveals his attributes by revealing names about himself. And as we say sometimes, he is his attributes. He is therefore his names. And his name, ultimately, his name, uh, as we think about it all, in summary, we can say his name is glorious. We can say God is glory. I give that to you as the message today. God is glory. It's something for you to understand. God is glory. It's something for you to say. God is glory. It's something for you to live out as his vessels of mercy to his glory. God is glory. Sometimes when it's humid, as it has been this summer, or right before a tropical storm, sometimes we speak about the air. 
We feel it, even smell it. We sense it. It feels thick, we might say. Or we might say it feels heavy. And this is how we are to sense God's impressive presence all around us, and especially in worship with Christ. His name is glory. It's glorious. And the Hebrew for glory, as you've heard often, is kabod or kabod. I've heard some say, pronounce it that way. And uh, the Greek is doxa. That's where we get the, the word doxology. Give him glory and praise. And you often see Paul just closing a section, giving a doxology to God, right? Theology, as it is said, is to lead to doxology. Knowing who God is, is so that we give God glory. And in what, what better way than to be studying God is glory, that we would give him glory. And the meaning of this word kabod in the Hebrew and in the Greek doxa, they both have the sense of heaviness or weightiness. Like the glory cloud over God's people as they went through the wilderness. Or the cloud on Mount Sinai in the giving them of the law. Or the surrounding of Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. A cloud, a glory cloud surrounded them. And it wasn't just something that was seen. It was felt and it's felt, it, it feels weighty. It feels heavy. It feels important. You know, sometimes we'll have that phrase when we're talking about something that's significant. We'll say, wow, that's heavy. Right? We're to be thinking that way about God. He's heavy. He is weighty. He is important. Or as Robert Raymond explains, both the terms kabod and doxa refer basically to the importance of a person. God is glory is to say God is important. God is infinitely, eternally, unchangeably important. To motivate God's people in our text to fear displeasing him by disobeying his commands and then being severely disciplined by him. He reminds them to revere his name, which is fearful, awesome and glorious or glory itself. So we think about uh, what uh, Pastor DeYoung said in the message about the fifth of the five solas that we would glorify God, that we want to receive his glory and praise him for his glory. And we want to be thinking more about Jesus because he is glory beheld, John says. And whatever we spend our time beholding is what we become like. And he pointed out that God manifests glory and showing it to us and reflecting it on us, not infinite, eternally, unchangeably in us. He is. May we reflect on him and the importance of his person. May, may Christ be ever before our eyes. The Hebrew for the word Lord, again, is Yahweh or Jehovah, and it means I am. He is the self-existing one. We have a phrase, we refer to that called aseity, God's aseity. He is self-existent. He is self-supportive. He doesn't need anything or anyone. He is 
sufficient in himself. He is self-sufficient. And this is the idea of I am. And it relates back to Exodus 6 verse 3 when God says, the patriarchs knew me, but they didn't know me by the name Yahweh or Lord. Although they did use that name when we were studying it, what he means is they didn't experience as you are now experiencing it, being delivered in covenant as a nation. And it goes back to Exodus 3, 14, where Moses says in verse 13, well, who should I tell your people that is delivering them? What is what name should I tell them? And he doesn't give any names like the false gods. He says, you tell them I am sent you. Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, capital O, capital O, capital R, capital D. You tell them, I am sent you. This is his name. Is that not glorious? Does it not put goosebumps on the back of your neck, on your arms? You tell them, I am the self-existing one. Or as we saw in Deuteronomy recently in chapter 10, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, who is higher than the highest heavens. He is the one that sent you. He is the one in covenant with you because of the patriarchs and now showing his faithfulness. And that's the other thing about the name Yahweh. I am. It is particularly the covenantal name of God. The great I am covenants with his people and in Christ delivers them from themselves and from this world and from Satan to himself for everlasting life. Remember in Jesus seven times he refers to himself as I am, the great I am's. I am the resurrection and the life, right? I am the bread of heaven. I am the way, the truth, the life. Before Abraham was, I am. Well, I planned not to study God's glory today, but I'm very glad to study it. I was reviewing uh, some tools. I try to give myself to a few tools, at least, including with topical sermons. I wanted to start studying how God is infinite, how God is eternal, how God is unchangeable. And turning to the shorter catechism, number, number four for that, I said, just be glorious to study God himself and think about what it is that God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable. And I thought I was on to something here. And then I realized, not yet. We're going to do that next. We'll start with how God is infinite this evening. But we really want to start and have in view with everything else, God is glory. I went to Robert Raymond's New Systematic Theology of the Christian Faith, and I love how he just goes through the Westminster Confession to talk about all of the doctrines, systematic theology of God. And I went to where he talks about the attributes of God, looking to study infinity, and uh, that he's infinite. And I went to where he does this. He talks about God simply by going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism number four in terms of the attributes of God, who God is, what is he like. And I was going to study again infinity with you this morning and then go on to his eternality tonight. Rather, it'll be infinity tonight or eternality and his impassibility next time. Um, and those things should inspire us and make us wonder. But in preparation, I was really struck with what he showed us. He pointed out that it's really all ultimately about God's glory. God is glory. You know, the question asked, what is God? God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, justice, holiness, goodness, truth. Larger catechism adds things, of course. But he points out that those three words, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, are all adjectives describing 
being, wisdom, power, holiness. So God is infinitely, eternally, unchangeably God, his being. And that's what we'll think about his being. He's infinitely, eternally, unchangeably wisdom. He's infinitely, eternally, unchangeably powerful Good, just, true. He's all these things infinitely, eternally, unchangeably. But he points out that's all ultimately leading to God is glorious. God is glory. Glory. If he had to say it all in one word, what is God? It would be appropriate to answer, he is glory. I'm not sure... Any answer would more get anyone's attention and make us pause and marvel and worship. Raymond explains, it is these three adjectives, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, that distinguish God in the absolute sense from the angels and from the human creatures who bear his name. Only God possesses these several characteristics in the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable sense. And he has a discussion that I didn't remember well from seminary days. He cautions, as he points out others do, uh, you know, any way to try to categorize these things about God isn't really sufficient. Even distinguishing between communicable and incommunicable attributes. In one sense, we all have these different things, and he has all these things. It's just that we can never have them infinitely, eternally unchanged. Only God has everything about him infinitely, eternally un unchangeably. That's what makes it distinct ultimately from us. He goes on to say, the Bible mainly speaks of God's glory. What God is in his essential being or nature that is to say, God's glory is simply the inescapable weight of the sheer intrinsic godness of God, inherent in the attributes essential to him as the deity. The shorter catechism definition, then, is really a catechetical description of the glory of the triune God. And then he points out how the Bible uses the word glory as a, as a substitute, almost uh, like a synonym for the way the Bible describes and summarizes other attributes of God. So you'll often see in a verse, God is glory spoken of, and then it's kind of explained with a synonym of a different word. He gives a few examples, and I'll, I'll just brief them, and you might look them up, but one I'll highlight. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, God's glory is spoken of and then shown to be, in that context, his goodness. 1 Samuel 15, uh, 15, God's glory is spoken of and then explained to be his truthfulness or his faithfulness. Psalm 19, verse 1, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. But in the context, that idea of glory is representing his majesty, his wisdom, his creative power. Isaiah 6, verse 3, we want to highlight. Isaiah is there before the throne of God in the vision. And the angels are crying out what is repeated in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy art thou Lord God Almighty, who is 
was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of thy glory. And so the glory substituting the idea of the thrice holy God. And again, being stated three times as scripture's way of emphasizing an attribute. As R.C. Sproul's written that book, the holiness of God. God's glorious holiness. Romans 3.23, the idea of God's glory is related to uh, speaking of his righteousness. Romans 6.4, God's glory speaks of his power, love, and faithfulness to his son. Ephesians 1.6.12 and 14, God's glory speaks of his grace. Glory is all these things. And more. All God's attributes are glorious. He is glory. Beloved, let the heavy and weightiness of God, the heaviness and weightiness of God as glory sink in by surveying these scripture verses with me. And I'll read them for you. First Samuel four, verse 21, Ichabod. You might be surprised I bring that up. It's a negative text. Most of them will be positive. Ichabod means what? The glory of God has departed. And how is that represented? The Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence is to be understood as particularly manifested in glory, is leaving the church. That should frighten us, that God's glory would never depart from us. But that acknowledges God is glory, because the name Ichabod means the glory of God has departed. So God is glory, and his presence is glorious. Exodus 15, 6 and 11 Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Psalm 8, verse 1. Our Lord, excuse me, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Psalm 72, verse 9, as you sang this morning. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And notice that is the end of the psalm that closes a section of the Psalter. It closes with the idea, let the whole earth be filled with his glory Psalm 76, 4. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. Psalm 111, verse 3. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. Psalm 102, verse 15. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth, thy glory. Psalm 148, verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Isaiah has much to say about his glory. Isaiah 4, verse 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. And who's that speaking of? Of course, Christ. Isaiah 22, 
Verse 23, and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father, his father's house. Isaiah 11, verse 10, these scriptures prophesying Christ. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Isaiah 33, 21. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams. The glorious Lord. Isaiah 49, verse 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Isaiah 43, verse 7, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. Isaiah 60, verse 13, The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Isaiah 62, verse 2, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Isaiah 63, 12 and 14, That led them by the right hand of Moses, and with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name. So didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. Jeremiah 13, verse 11. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of, man, of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory. Jeremiah 17, verse 12, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Oh, what was said at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came to this world? Luke 2, 14, the angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Later, it is said of Jesus in Luke 13, 17, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Later, Luke 19, verse 38, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's how they were responding to him coming into Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 11. 
But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Of course, he's making a combination between the administration of the covenant of grace in the Old Testament compared to the new and the coming of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine. The gospel of Christ is glorious. Philippians 3, 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. I think especially helpful to be remembering as we are taking comfort in the resurrection of the body, giving a new spiritual body, it will be like Christ's glorious body. Colossians 1 verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. 1 Timothy 1 verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And of course, the way this all ends, and I should say actually as it goes on forever and ever, the point of it all, Revelation 4 verse 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created revelation 5:12 worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing Revelation 14, verse 7. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. What are we told to pray in the Lord's Prayer at the end? To hallow his name at the beginning, which has the idea of giving respect and weight to the weighty heaviness of his importance, his person. But at the end, it is for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Therefore, beloved, what is your chief and highest end? Westminster Larger Catechism number one. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy him forever. Or as the Bible commands, may you sing and pray and accept and live these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 16, 10. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek God. 
First Chronicles 29, 13. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Nehemiah 9, verse 5. Stand up. And bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Psalm 66, verse 2, sing forth the honor of his name, make his praise glorious. And remember what we learned in Deuteronomy recently, he is thy praise. Psalm 145, verses 5 and 12. I speak of the glorious honor of the majesty and thy wondrous works to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. 1 Peter 4, verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Psalm 79 verse 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name. Psalm 96, verse 8, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Psalm 105, verse 3, glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek God the Lord. Psalm 115, verse 1, not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Titus 2 verse 13. May you indeed be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ and beloved. That's what it's going to be. Those of us like our brothers, our brothers soon to go up into heaven in the next degree of glory. What's he going to say when he gets there? I bet you the first thing he does, he looks with his eyes and says, glorious, glory, glory, glory be to God. And that's what we'll be saying at the return of Christ. It will be glorious. It won't be a fearful thing for Christians. It'll be, yes, the answer to our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly is answered. Maranatha, glory be to God, glory to God in the highest. Christ has come. He has finally come. Look at him in all his glory, riding on the clouds with the trumpet sound and lightning and thunder, judging the world, raising the dead simply by speaking, just as he simply created all things by speaking, all things made through him. Herman Bovink says this, whatever God is, he is completely and simultaneously 
We'll think about that more tonight as we study the other attributes. He is all of his attributes absolutely all at once, all the time. This relates to simplicity also. But I think you could summarize it up all as you simply look and respond and say, glorious, majestic, weighty, heavy. Or you might say the fifth of the five solas of the Reformation. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be glory. For he alone, beloved, is glory. May we thus be like Moses and ask God to show us his glory. That is to show us himself, to show us more of Jesus. And may we, like Moses, have his glory as a result, shining more on our faces for spending time with God, who is glory. That is, may Jesus, who is the light of the world, show himself by reflecting himself through us as the light of the world. The church is described in Psalm 45, verse 13, as the bride of Christ. Like this, the king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. See, he manifests his glory through his vessels of mercy, the church, and makes you shine with his glory. Psalm 87, verse 3, Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Selah. And of course, what do we see in the Revelation? The new Jerusalem, the city of God coming down to earth, which is the temple of God, which is God's people. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Glorious things are spoken of thee as you speak the praises of God's glory. As you speak of God who is glory. And be encouraged as you glorify him. He is faithful to you. As you respect his person. As weighty and marvelous, he respects you in him in Christ. Romans 8, verse 30, for whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And them he justified, them he also glorified. You will be raised from the dead in your new spiritual bodies surrounding the Lamb, crying out, Glory to God in the highest. Holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth will be full of His glory, and there'll be no darkness trying to hide it any longer. You'll be looking around the new heavens and the new earth just saying, It's glorious. It's glorious. He is glorious. He is glory. Beloved, may the whole world glorify God as they see in your witness of works and worship that God is glory. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, indeed, you are glorious. Show us your glory and let its glory reflect on our faces. Manifest your glory to the world. Thank you for the promise of the resurrection and the new life in the heavenly Jerusalem that we will be singing your praises of glory and we will be glorifying in you as we give you glory for you are glory. 
infinitely, eternally, unchangeably so. And we close praying as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 